0: The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg With Gene and Chris, we had a fascinating discussion last week where we talked shop And I made a couple of comments that I suppose could be construed as partly political Although they were meant to be factual So we got letters, as we do Of course, you know, the letters are all over the range Some people love us, some people hate us, some people complain about the ads. Of course, we can't do anything about the ads because we're on a regular radio network. Regardless, the point being that people have all sorts of opinions, and sometimes we want to answer a few of the comments. So last week I mentioned, for example, the very simple elementary definition of the U.S. debt limit which specifies how much the Treasury can borrow to pay its bills. It doesn't authorize new spending. So somebody who boasted of having three or four degrees after his name sends me a letter saying, I don't know what I'm talking about, and goes on to complain about how the U.S. debt is going to impact our children, our grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, all that. Now, the point here is that I wasn't talking about spending or spending priorities. I was talking about the debt ceiling. So I said to the person, look, if you don't believe me, I'll send you a link. Go to the US Treasury site and look at it. So he writes back and says, well, that site's down because of the partial government shutdown. So I went to the Treasury site, which was fully functional, although not being updated. I looked up the words debt limit in its search field and I sent him the link. Now let me read you a very short paragraph. This is the official United States Treasury statement on what the debt limit is. This is what they tell you. The debt limit is the total amount of money that the United States government is authorized to borrow to meet its existing legal obligations, including Social Security and Medicare benefits, military salaries, interest on the national debt, tax refunds, and other payments. The debt limit does not authorize new spending commitments. It simply allows the government to finance existing legal obligations that Congresses and Presidents of both parties have made in the past. In other words, it's about paying your bills, not authorizing new spending. Well, in debt service,
2: too. I mean, we've you sure. know, we've got a lot of money that we have to pay out just to service the uh, the interest on the debt.
1: Of course, but that's part of what I said, exactly. But you want to deal with the debt. It's a matter of spending and tax policy, and we're not getting into that stuff. We're just talking about a simple set of facts. Nothing more, nothing less. The U.S. Constitution says the U.S. government will pay its bills. What's going to happen, I have no idea because we're doing this on a Tuesday. The expiration date to... Cover the Dead is Thursday. You will hear the show on Sunday. <laughs> so, we don't know what kind of country we'll be living in by Sunday. Yeah. You know, this will it's be like defaulting the- on your credit card. Well, that I'm not unfamiliar with, but not because I intended to. But that's it. Do you feel you should default on your credit card? In any case, I do have a very minor announcement to make. Apparently, we're going to be heard in Montana. There's a Montana station that's picking up the Paracast as of this month. Yeah, the welcome station. to our
2: new listeners in Great Falls.
1: That's right. K-I-N-X, Great Falls, Montana. Right. Cascade County. It
2: was the epicenter of the Montana uh, cattle mutilation wave of 76,
1: 7, and 8. Uh-huh. Well, it's a, certainly an interesting place then. I've never been to Montana. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's not so you. You're not gonna
2: raise a get a dental floss ranch and raise dental floss,
1: like in the Frank Zappa song Moving to Montana. Oh yes. I remember Frank Zappa when he released a record in the nineteen sixties, Who Are the Brain Police? Yeah. What would you do if the people you knew were the plastic that melted in the chromium too? Do you remember that? It's a little obscure, Gene.
2: Um, overnight Sensation is about where I really started to dial in on uh, Uncle Frank.
1: Oh, I Dynamo remember hum, Susie Cream Cheese. Susie Cream Cheese.
2: and Cream Cheese, Cream Cheese. Yep. And uh, watch out where the huskies go. Don't you eat that yellow snow. You got the texture there.
1: You know, Flo and Eddie from the group the Turtles for a while were part of the mothers of invention with Frank right. Zappa. Yeah, 200 motels. All right, we're bringing back the past here. The history of music, and maybe that's another radio show we should do sometime, but not today. Anyway, you get the point. We're now a political show, but sometimes we have to get into it. There's a guy now who is advertising a book where he suggests that the assassination of JFK was really the fault of Lyndon Johnson, which is not an unusual theory, by the way, because when you look for the guilty party of any crime, you suggest who benefits the most from it. And obviously the vice president. Obviously it happened in Texas, which is or was LBJ stamping grounds. But I don't know. The problem with all these conspiracies is that no matter what they say, they can't prove a thing. We can talk about it till the end of time, and there's not an iota of proof. Are you much into JFK conspiracies, Chris? Um, you know,
2: I have a kind of a peripheral fascination with it. Um, you know, I'm not Jim Mars or uh, someone that's really dug into it and and knows all the ins and outs. Uh, it is a fascinating uh topic it was uh, obviously quite the, the shift that occurred in culture was 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 amazing uh in its intensity and uh it paved the way for you know a whole i think uh baby boomer uh explosion of of alternative thinking and and it really set the stage for the 60s no question uh in terms of conspiracy theories though i i think I, my personal feeling is he was doomed that day. I think there were three different uh, people that were gonna uh try to take him out there and, and probably none of them knew the others were there. And much to the horror of the onlookers, uh, you know, it could have been a, a multi-headed hydra that had him in his sights that day. Um I, I think it's 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 gone to the point where it's almost a, a paranormal event within the culture. Uh it's it's just it's like Roswell. It's just one of those things that is just gonna be sitting there uh and books will be written, and, and movies and documentaries will be made from now until uh, the end of uh, time. I, I, I just it has that, that huge kind of like super uh, supercharged meme quality to it.
1: If the truth is ever going to come out, it probably won't be in our lifetimes, and therefore will have less of an effect. OK, you said three different groups. Number one being organized crime. Am I correct? Right. Number two being intelligence agents or even J. Edgar Hoover, who hated the Kennedys. Number three being LBJ. Is there a number four? Well, I mean, you have the Cubans uh,
2: who could have possibly been uh, involved in in any one of those three scenarios that you mentioned. Uh, You know, Operation Mongoose, uh, David Ferry and his his involvement and of course, uh, Clay Shaw, the only person actually ever charged with uh, aiding and abetting uh, the assassination plot. Uh, so I, I just think it's one of those imponderables where we're never going to get any closer. I think unless unless some smoking gun evidence comes out. Of course, we all all know that the Warren Commission was 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 pretty much a whitewash, just like the nine eleven uh, Commission was, uh, in my in my opinion, and. Um, I think once some real crucial files are unsealed, uh, the location of Kennedy's brain, for instance, uh, you know, how they did an autopsy with someone that never did one before. Uh, it's it just there's so much about the, 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 the whole scenario
1: that just doesn't wash. Discussions will never end. No. But we'll start a new one now. We have Jerome Clark, longtime UFO investigator and historian, joining us this week. All this and more. You're in The Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition, Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 24 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out
4: Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp US HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. We all
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast
1: community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I'm happy to bring back an old and dear friend of mine. and He and I are both getting older by the second. The one, the only, Jerome Clark. Jerry, thanks for joining us on the show.
6: Well, thanks for having me, Gene.
1: I won't talk about our ages, because if you add the two numbers together, they exceed all the numbers on this planet. <laughs> yes. Except for Brad Steiger, who's older. Right. Exactly. You know, before Another old friend. <laughs> Another old friend. He'll be on the show in a couple of weeks, by the way. Okay, Jerry, before we start talking to you, I just wanted to finish up a story I was telling at the beginning of the show about somebody who attacked my interpretation, which quotes basically what the U.S. Treasury says, about what the debt limit means. And I sent him the link to the Treasury site when you look up the words debt limit. He writes back to me and he says, oh, you're one of Obama's minions. I don't want to listen to the show anymore. And I said, well, we only want intelligent people to listen to the show. And maybe in response is what I wrote him, maybe you should just send back your degrees because he didn't earn them. I guess that was insulting, wasn't it, Jerry?
6: (laughs) But appropriate under the circumstances, apparently.
1: That's an interesting question that comes to mind, and it does relate to our field of interest. And maybe I'll start with expressing something that we mentioned in our forums, and that is a decision by Popular Science magazine to block comments on their web content, because of what apparently is an anti-science brigade that attacks everything they write. So I guess the question is, and it does relate to the field we're in because we're trying to be scientific about it, do you think there is a growing movement against science and what it means?
6: You mean in, in popular culture generally, in the political sphere, in ufology?
1: Anywhere, but I think mostly in popular culture in the political sphere.
6: Yes, I think there's a strong anti-science, uh, anti-empirical evidence contingent in the in the political sphere. Uh, you know, just a growing kind of know nothingness, which I with which I have no sympathy.
1: What do you think brings it about?
6: I think that if, that we always see that if you become a hardcore ideologue and define the world in terms of your ideology, whatever it is, whether it's you know, it could be communism or fascism or some extreme form of right or left-wing perspective. And mere facts don't carry the load for you. It's the facts that go, not your ideology.
1: So facts be damned, then, as far as they're right. concerned. I
6: mean, if facts are only there to serve utilitarian purposes, to confirm the ideology. If they contradict the ideology, it's the facts that are disposable.
1: So it's reversing the statement from the late Senator Moynihan that you're entitled to your opinions but not your facts, and they're saying no, we're entitled to our opinions and facts be damned.
6: Or the facts follow and facts and scare quotes, of course. But exactly. so when you have, you know, whole ideologies based upon denial of climate change or evolution or whatever you're not dealing with reality and, and the whole purpose of politics is to confront real problems and arrive at solutions for them.
1: Let's move them to our little paranormal world here. How do we reconcile the anti science approach to trying to understand what's around us and the mysteries that we're confronting?
6: Well, I think that science is crucial to living in this world. We live in the world that science created, and to deny the authority of science is simply to take us away from the real world and and revert us to some pre-scientific state. And if we're we're going to revert intellectually to a pre-scientific state, we're going to be living in a pre-scientific state. We're going to be living in a pre-technological society in a world that's dominated by guesswork and superstition and ideology. I prefer to live in a world where facts are empirically true, that they're the things that you arrive at through investigation, analysis, research, and you separate the truth and the false to the best of your ability, and you put the false aside and proceed with what you can establish empirically. We shouldn't even have to be saying this in the year 2013. It's just
1: incredible. Yeah, good point. Does that also explain why, in our culture now, we have several popular TV programs that focus on fairy tales and magic as opposed to reality, like the Fox show Sleepy Hollow, which brings the headless horseman and Ichabod crane to the modern world once upon a time where the fairy tale characters from the Evil Queen and Snow White and Peter Pan, are existing not just in our world, but they keep going back to their enchanted forest and Neverland.
6: Well, I don't really think that has anything to do with what we're talking about, really, because human beings have always had imagination and, and fantasy, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just as long as they're identified as such. By the way, I might add here that about two or three weeks ago, I actually reread for probably the first time since I was maybe in junior high school, Washington's Irving story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is a wonderful story, and it shows that Irving really knew the rural folklore and the superstitions and the supernatural beliefs of rural Americans in the early 19th century. and He weaves this wonderfully fascinating story around it while getting all the folkloric details exactly right. It's a wonderful story, it's just it's, it's wonderfully entertaining as well. Of yeah. course, the Headless Horseman is a hoax as we learn in, in the, the at the end of the story, but it's just a great story, and it, it's full of you know authentic folklore content.
1: Have you actually seen the TV show, which is very, very loosely based on that?
6: My wife watches it. I'm just not interested in fantasy and science fiction much, so I don't watch those shows.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Well, that brings up an interesting point. Uh, that a lot of people are interested in fantasy and science fiction, and 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 it seems like we've been seeing a real, uh, I mean, marked increase in interest in in the last few years. Do you think that possibly this anti science contingent and and this this sort of movement uh, of denial, basically, maybe because science has gone outwards and we're learning so much, and and it's so far removed from the average person's reality that perhaps they're viewing science as we view fantasy and science fiction, that it's almost a backlash to the stovepiping and ivory tower nature of, of cutting-edge modern science?
6: Yes, I think that's a good point. There's something to that. There was a time when when your average, educated, reasonably intelligent citizen could understand what science was doing and what it was about. And there were amateur scientists, amateur naturalists who made contributions to the body of you know, scientific knowledge, but it 's not an amateurs game anymore it 's a highly professionalized, highly technical, highly mathematical, and it 's way beyond most of us and um, and As we grope our way toward a fuller understanding of nature and the universe, it 's just going to get more complicated and it 's going to leave the average person uh, farther and farther behind. Mm-hmm. It's also very
2: highly specialized as well.
6: Oh, absolutely. It's often said that even physicists can't speak to each other intelligibly across sub-disciplines within physics.
1: We have to speak intelligently about this, folks, and we'll be back in a moment with Jerome Clark joining Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast.
8: you <laughs>
5: It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent
10: normal blood pressure naturally how would that make you feel
5: i'm don from new mexico january of
7: 2000 i had a heart attack Then my real health began going downhill and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much.
10: Don reports dramatic improvements with Heart and Body Extract.
7: I started taking uh, Heart and Body Extract and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve.
10: Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305.
7: Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract.
10: Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract.
11: This is Jacques Vallee.
6: You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: With Jean and Chris, we have Jerome Clark joining us this week, and we were talking in our first segment with him about a so-called anti-science movement and the fact that science has become so obscure and confusing to lots of people. They seek maybe refuge in simpler times, and that's true, I guess, about political beliefs in general, that society is very confusing and specialized. And what about the good old days? And the good old days, I guess, now would be like the 1950s?
6: I guess so, although I'm always interested as a student of history in the whole concept of the good old days. I'm interested in old songs, folk songs, old popular songs, and I don't mean from just a few years ago, I mean from decades ago or centuries ago. And even in the 19th century and in the 18th century, there were songs reflecting nostalgically on the times gone by and how much better they used to be, <laughs> which if you study that stuff, it's a good cure for sentimentality and nostalgia. The good old days are whatever you want them to be. And if you look at them carefully, they they may have been old, but they probably weren't so good.
1: I don't remember them being that good.
6: No, I don't either, actually. I, I'm you know completely unsentimental about these things
1: but obviously some people want it that way.
6: Well, they're looking back on an America that never was. It's just an America of their invention. They're usually also thinking about America where they and their kind, meaning they and their fellow people with white skin were comfortable and ruled the roost. And uh, it's not a good old day if you were not at the top of the hierarchy
1: let's go even more focused to our UFO paranormal world, where I often say that a lot of the stuff you hear today in UFO research mirrors what we were talking about back in the 1950s. And I suppose even some of the debates and the feuds that continue aren't so different. And I was thinking here of what Joan Rivers said a number of times during her skits. Grow up. So why do the people in the UFO field, why do they have such difficulty getting together and not feuding all the time?
6: Well, I don't think they feud any more often than anybody else does in in some subculture or group. You know, there are branches of science where feuds are legendary. um, Oh, God, yeah, even
2: way worse than anything we see in ufology.
6: Absolutely. I think that it's just a question of group dynamics and the way they function. And people, fortunately, don't all think the same. But that also guarantees that they're going to get on each other's nerves. And, and in particular, in ufology, you're dealing with an intractable problem. You know, we ufologists are way outgunned. We have an enormously complex and enigmatic phenomenon that is well beyond current knowledge, even the current knowledge of the most informed scientist. I think we're dealing with things that are beyond our present level of knowledge. And so, here we are, a bunch of amateurs, you know, working part-time with extraordinarily limited to no resources, just beating our heads against this problem and really not getting very far. I think we know a few things we didn't know when we started out, but we haven't solved anything. We haven't made ufology any more respectable than it was when organized ufology began in approximately 1950. And so people just get crazy. And I think one consequence of this is that the focus becomes, ufology becomes about ufologists and not about the UFO phenomenon, because people, at least on some unconscious level, are taking out their frustrations on each other. So you get periodic lynch mobs forming to get somebody who's transgressed in one way or another, real or imaginary. And you just get this tiresome kind of personality-focused hysteria. And, And you get less intelligent and considered discussion about the nature of the UFO phenomenon, where we might proceed from A to B to C. And uh, it just occurs to me, looking at UFO lists, for example, on the Internet, how much of it is about getting somebody.
1: Why do we want to get these people? That's a big question. What do we feel they're doing to us to make them the targets?
6: Well, there's this... As I look at the way ufology functions, I'm struck by how much debunker rhetoric ufologists have internalized. And one thing that you see played out, and nobody even comments on it, but it's incredibly bizarre when you look at it, is, did somebody make money at this? (laughs) For example, did somebody who was investigating the Roswell incident, for example, and wrote a book and made some money on this book that is used to discredit this person now in any other area of inquiry, if you do a whole bunch of research investigation interviews and all those things and write a book and get and make some money at it, the issue doesn't even arise and um, so you it's like Ufologists have to work for nothing. They never can get anything out of what they're doing. Or the fact that somebody made some money on a project that he worked very hard at is used to discredit him. And that's just crazy.
2: Well, you're describing jealousy, basically, which is a basic human emotion that unfortunately is uh, rampant in this field.
6: Yes, absolutely. And it's just... It's boring. It wastes time. It it wastes energy and resources. You know, I have met very, very few people in this field. No more, I'm sure, exist in ufology than in any other field who are insincere charlatans. Overwhelmingly, the people who labor at this field for for nothing, they certainly don't even get respectability out of it, much less an income, they're all sincere. You know, some of them are misguided and have crazy ideas, but they are sincere about it. If you want to make money as a charlatan, ufology is not a place to operate. There just isn't enough money here for anybody who who isn't sincerely engaged in the subject. And yet all the time, at least once or twice a year, a scandal erupts about somebody or other and how shady he is, and he doesn't really believe it. I remember my friend Bud Hopkins, who was really a sincere and committed guy, and there were all, periodically people would rise up, you know, debunkers and and their allies in ufology to say that, that Hopkins was a charlatan and he was just in it for the money. I, You know, I hope Bud made some money out of it, but I know that he put a lot of his own money into his investigations, and I know he was sincere. You can disagree with his conclusions, but you don't have to question his motives.
1: We saw some of that when this person who had been under investigation by David Jacobs, this certain woman who lives in New Zealand, started yeah. lashing out at him, And she started up a website designed strictly to attack him, got people in her corner, got people to attack Jacobs and Hopkins together as being some sort of villains or devils hurting the UFO field. And you could never get these people to have a straight conversation. And I tried. I got involved in it only to the extent that I tried to ask for a straight conversation. Let's talk about the methods of these people. Let's look at the evidence they've accumulated. And if the evidence is wrong, which it may very well be, let's discard it and move on. But why focus on these people? If they're doing work that should be analyzed and maybe they made a few mistakes, let's pick up on the work and see what's going on. Because a lot of people, regardless of what you think about abductions, are experiencing very strange frightening things that are hurting their lives and they should get some understanding about what's going on. We're going to understand this in a moment because we have Jerome Clark joining us with Jean and Chris, you're in The Paracast.
7: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies. Paranormal activity and Florian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news. It's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net Find out what they don't want you to know.
9: So, you've decided to get prepared. You're not sure that a case of ramen and a couple of granola bars under your bed will cut it as long-term food storage anymore. You're in luck. At Emergency Essentials, we have all the resources to get you started, from three-day emergency bug-out bags to year supplies of food and everything in between. Call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863 or visit BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com.
12: An e revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by Le Cig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by Lasig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by Lasig a long time ago. Lasig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, Lasig smokes the competition with fast free same day shipping, real people customer service and a 30 day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at Lesig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. 870 525 E-Cigarettes, for today's modern smoker.
14: Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen
9: Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So, of course, every year or two there is a villain in the UFO field. And I mentioned, of course, Bud Hopkins and Dr. David Jacobs being victimized by people who felt... Their methods were not being helpful, but they couldn't come up with any new methods that were better. So busy attacking what the people are doing, well, give us a better method. If people claim to be abducted by aliens, let's find out what's going on. If it's some other kind of phenomenon, which is something you've mentioned from time to time, Jerry, let's understand it. I mean, some people are really screwed up by these experiences.
6: Yes, no question about that at all. I was on a video show some months ago with somebody who seemed to have a very hard time understanding that people could have views very different from his own without being dishonest, without being exploitive and and involved in some kind of charlatan enterprise. And And we were actually talking about Hopkins and Jacobs. And I said... You know, these men are, or in Bud's case, you know, he was a friend of mine, but Dave still is. And I know for a fact that these guys are were sincerely committed to what they were doing. And I don't agree with their conclusions. I, I agree that there is an abduction phenomenon and that it is deeply anomalous. But I don't necessarily agree with the conclusions that they reach beyond that concession to reality but I, I just I just really tired of listening to people telling me that so-and-so is a crook because he basically because he doesn't agree with me or he made a mistake somewhere along the line in his investigation or his enthusiasm or whatever I think we have to be charitable to our fellow human beings who are involved in this difficult subject while we have every right to disagree with them and criticize their ideas. But I think that we just really had better relearn the lesson that it's not personalities that are the issue.
1: Well, I remember here that one person wrote me at the time that they had this debate involving Dr. Jacobs, saying if I didn't support his opinion, I'd be destroying my radio career. Oh,
6: that's typical. Typical.
1: Right, he was (laughs) saying, can you save what's left of your radio career? Well, I'm looking at the number of people who visit our site since then. It's about doubled, and we're on some more stations, so I guess we're moving along okay. We're not rich and famous, but the show is continuing, so I guess my radio career hasn't been destroyed. In fact, and this is hot off the presses, I just heard from Adam, the affiliate guy over at GCN, telling me that they've added W-E-Z-O in Augusta, Georgia to the network, carrying... The power cast. Oh well.
6: This is something these guys do. They they also want to tell you who you can associate with and what you can say. And if you don't toe their line, they want to make you so toxic that no respectable person in this field will have anything to do with you. And I've been through that.
2: Yeah. I, I, I have that. too, boy, let me tell you.
6: You know, I went through that as a friend of Hopkins and Jacobs, who you're just disgusting and, and others too but damn it, I'm going to associate with who I want to be associated. Or just because I might completely disagree with the person, but I like it as a person. I'll choose my own friends and colleagues, and so should all of us.
2: Yeah. I just really dislike it when you have a professional disagreement. Uh, you, you take a, a different objective look at something and come up with different conclusions, and the person whose conclusions you're opposed to or... You know, you're not agreeing with them when they try to destroy your reputation. They they slander you behind your back. They they make up stories about you. To me, it it just kind of reminds me not even of high school. It's more of like a junior high or middle middle school uh, behavior. Uh, To me, it's it's ludicrous. I, I and I agree, Jerry. I mean, there's a lot of people in the field that I do not agree with with their particular conclusions, but I like them as people. I think that's something that sometimes gets lost in this field. People are so attached to their particular theory, conclusion, uh, whatever it is, and uh, they have blinders on. And if you don't agree with that, you're the enemy. And and it shouldn't be that way.
1: I remember back in the early days, of course, we had all those fake feuds between Jim Mosley and Gray Barker, for example, where they were close friends but argued with each other in public just for the heck of it. But... As I recall, Jim Mosley himself was a very inclusive person. He associated with lots of people whom he didn't agree with because he liked them personally.
6: Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that we have to understand that in a subject like ufology, which deals with enormously complicated and irresolvable problems, reasonable people are going to come to different conclusions. Now, I think we all agree that the that there are also irrational conclusions that people come to. But there's plenty of room for disagreement among reasonable people about the nature and the cause of the UFO phenomenon. And that, again, is so obviously true that it's just appalling that one has to say that.
1: Unfortunately, it continues. Like, for example, and we're not going to get into it extensively, there's this debate over the so-called Roswell Dream Team, which involves Kevin Randall Tom Carey, Donald Schmidt, Tony Bregalia, David Rudiak, and Mm -hmm. that Canadian researcher. Chris Rutkowski. Chris Rutkowski, who is, by the way, always one of our great guests when we bring him on the show. Really knowledgeable, really nice guy. And the point is here, they have a laudable goal there, which is try to look at Roswell as so-called cold case, see if they can come up with new information. There was a story about someone having... Kodachrome slides that may depict, what, alien bodies or something. I don't know what that's going to turn out to be. But it did erupt in some kind of online flame war for a while. I don't know if it's still continuing because sometimes it just gets so crazy I choose not to watch it anymore.
6: Yeah, I'm the same way. I remember when that story started flaring a month or two ago, I thought, oh, no, not this again. And this is when the phrase lynch mob popped to mind again. And uh, it was just much ado about nothing. And so far, it doesn't seem to have gotten a lot of uh, energy. But uh, it was just, it, it looked to me like some perfectly honorable guys, like Kevin Randall, you know, it was kind of in a bind and, and may have made a mistake, but it wasn't anything consequential. It wasn't anything worth giving a, more than two thoughts to it, a maximum. Right.
2: Well the very f- very fact that the uh the the f- these slides or photographs whatever um surfaced in a, a an attic I think in Sedona. I mean that should give one
1: pause. Yeah. We got to watch out about those attics in Sedona, right Chris? Well, there's uh, a lot of how would I
2: put this uh, tactfully? There's a lot of delusional thinking and lack of critical <laughs> thinking here in the Sedona area. Hence my moving out. Uh so I would take anything that's that emerged from that particular community with a huge block of salt. Uh, it, it just, as soon as the story came out on, on, uh, that website, uh, the Reynolds website, I, I just thought, Oh boy, here we go. It's Ray Santilli right. and Bob Kiviot all over again, alien topsy, uh, autopsy time.
6: Yeah. These things just never seem to go anywhere. I have gotten pretty cynical about the latest, you know, astounding revelation regarding Roswell and, uh, I think that, uh, that skepticism is the response of any rational observer by this time. I mean, I'm not dismissing anything because everything should be investigated. It looks as if it should be investigated, but I don't really have much hope that there's going to be some astounding breakthrough, and particularly, as you say, Chris, coming out of an attic in Sedona.
1: <laughs> the thing, of course, we could mention in a conspiratorial sense is whether these eruptions of all this alleged evidence that turns out to be nothing whether that's influenced by the powers that be who don't want the secrets to be known that's certainly one way to stir up the pot in the way that will divert attention from the real thing
6: well yeah i mean you know that's that's always possible and i don't you know dismiss that out of hand but also, there are just a lot of people running around lying for no apparent reason. That's one thing that's really struck me about the whole Roswell story as it's evolved over, well, since about 19, late 1970s, 1980, is that there are all these guys who've come out of the woodwork, and some of them are just bald-faced liars, and they have lied convincingly with a straight face and to all appearance of sincerity. And I think that we're, you know, we're long since at a point that that no sensible person takes one person's testimony at face value. Of
1: course, that raises all sorts of other possibilities and may just be people want to get in the act and say, look, I'm going to get my piece of the pie here. Roswell is lucrative. I'm going to become a Roswell witness or I'll be a whistleblower, all that sort of thing. Or maybe even write a best selling book and go on all these talk, radio, and TV shows. All the glory. A lot more to talk about. With Jerome Clark joining Gene and Chris, you're in The (laughs) Paracast.
14: It's that time of year again, and you know what that means, cold and flu season. (laughs) But don't worry, HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Gold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and Respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now,
1: here's Jane Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we have Jerome Clark joining us. And we're trying to put a perspective on the UFOs and paranormal mysteries and the ongoing discussions. So, Jerry, do you think some of these so called whistleblowers? who come out of the woodwork with some new kind of information about Roswell or any other case, they're in it for the glory. Certainly, they might also have the illusion that you can actually make money from the UFO field. What do you think?
6: Yeah, I think that some of them actually think they're going to put themselves in a position where they can get some cash out of their story. And, of course, they're almost always disappointed. But I don't know. You know, it it, it sort of reminds me of the evolving legends associated with the JFK assassination. You know, where you have all kinds of people coming out of the woodwork telling these great stories that either don't go anywhere or can be conclusively discounted.
1: You know, there's (laughs) one right now, there's a book coming out next month, let me just interrupt, supposedly quoting a former mistress of LBJ, claiming that he admitted to her in kind of a sideways way that they finally got JFK. And therefore, LBJ is the person who directed the conspiracy to kill him.
6: Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the
1: whistleblower du jour.
6: Yeah. I mean, I think that when something really big happens, like a presidential assassination or the crash of an extraterrestrial spaceship, at least the first one we know happened, the second one's still up for discussion. But nonetheless, these are extraordinary events, or in, in the case of Roswell, extraordinary claim. And some people just want to put themselves into that story. And I think that if you studied these people, you'd probably find a common psychological profile. You know, one of them perhaps being a weak self-identity and people seeking to validate themselves by their association with some historical circumstance. I think that that's why you find more Roswell liars then you find liars in association with other kinds of you know UFO sightings and claims and and controversies because Roswell is the big enchilada you know that's the one that everybody knows about and, and in fact most people now think that the whole UFO excitement began with Roswell rather than Ken Arnold
1: I think most people if you ask them wouldn't know who Kenneth Arnold was
6: That's right that's right it's I'm all about happy.
1: Roswell. That's the beginning and end of the mystery. And you also wonder, though, if you're going to have people who become fake whistleblowers for the glory and the finances, how does that explain someone like a Colonel Philip Corso, who I guess would I think, be considered a Roswell whistleblower?
6: Yeah, I think that that probably gets to the core of that unanswered question of people putting themselves in the middle of this. I've talked with people who, who knew Corso and um, who say that he gave every appearance of being sincere, and yet his story made no sense and was problematic from almost any perspective. And, um, and yet he, you know, went to his grave telling this story. And, you know, I think that some people who put themselves into some core of history, you know, believe that. And they, they actually believe their own fantasies. And I don't really, you know, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I don't know how this works, but it does seem to work for some people.
2: Well, I think you mentioned before, Jerry, it's, it's self-esteem issues and, and worthiness issues. Uh, people that, that tend to grandstand like that, I think, have a very low self-esteem. And this is a way to inflate their, their personal sense of self-worth.
1: Yes, but a highly decorated military figure. Of course, you almost wonder that maybe he was partly or completely telling the truth, but then the powers that be did everything they could to discredit him. Again, if it's somebody who has a low self-esteem, has no achievements in life, whatever, or the best days are past them, you now have somebody who was a decorated soldier.
6: Well, Corso inflated his resume quite apart from the the pretend involvement in the Roswell story and the subsequent war with the extraterrestrials. You know, he 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 had the profile of a guy who never quite filled his potential. Yes, he had some level of accomplishment, but clearly he never got to the top ranks. Of the yeah, he
2: never made general.
6: <laughs> yeah, and he was lieutenant colonel for a lot longer than he should be just a lieutenant colonel. And people who know military careers a lot better than I do have pointed this out, that this was a guy who really suffered, among other things, from career disappointment. His career wasn't a complete disaster or anything like that, but it hadn't gone where he clearly wanted it to go. And he would have died forgotten. We wouldn't be talking about Philip Corso if he hadn't done this book. You know, I saw the book in page proofs. So I was sent it by the publisher. And I was really excited because I'd heard that this book was coming out and I really expected something. And I started reading it and I wasn't more than maybe three or four pages into it, and I began to realize that this was just a science fiction novel pretending to be something else. One time back in the spring of 1997, I was in New York City and I was at the office of Corsos Publisher and I talked with a young guy. Who was his editor and at that time i hadn't read a word of course i just heard the story this book was coming out i said "I'm understand there's this book coming out by this guy named lieutenant colonel corso and it's about roswell and stuff it wasn't what the guy said to me his editor said to me it was what he didn't say and it was clear the guy knew that this story wasn't true i, I can't remember his exact words but i got the message and I remember being disappointed, even a little deflated, because I was a lot more hopeful about the Roswell story back in 1997 than I am in 2013. When I read the book in page proof, actually, I didn't read all the way through. I got about halfway through, and I just lost interest. But I understood what he, this guy, what the editor was attempting to communicate to me. That don't get too excited about this.
2: I agree with you. It read like a novel. Yeah. Well, have I you could... read? Have you read the original manuscript that he supplied the publisher before Bill Burns was brought in? No, it's available up on the OpenMinds.tv uh, TV website, I believe.
6: Oh, is that right? How, how is it different from the published version?
2: Well, it's it's quite a bit different. There's uh, <laughs> Bill Burns uh, really had quite an impact on the final product. Let's put it that way. Why'd you tell our listeners in what significant areas it was different than well,
1: the story again, that I, Burns I, edited?
2: I, I, I haven't read through it. I, I really have no interest in the story. I, I've just never I've never felt it that, uh, that it really had uh, any sort of gravitas attached to it. I just based on on some real fundamental flaws in it. I mean, there's there's an evidence train for a lot of the inventions that he said were salted into the private sector. I mean, there's there's a very clear uh, chain uh, of evidence behind uh, some of the technological breakthroughs that Corso claimed were were. You know, directly resulted from alien technology, and and just that fact alone, it really made me disinterested in the whole thing. I, I just felt it was a an exercise of inflating, you know, someone's uh, possible position in history and and trying to make a name for himself before he passed along. Uh, so, I haven't really read, to be honest with you, read through the original. You know, entirely through. But just looking at it, I can tell that uh, there was incredible embellishments were placed in the final product based based on the limited amount of, that I've read of the original version of it. And, and and again, it is available. And I'm sure there's somebody out there who can post at forum.theparacast.com with a point by point analysis of how his original work. Uh, <laughs> you know, was really built built out uh, by Burns and by the publisher.
6: When I read the book originally, or at least the page proofs, I recognized that what this consisted of was just a bunch of stuff that was currently being discussed among ufologists about the supposed cover-up surrounding the Roswells. For example, I people appear that are entirely predictable, like Robert Sarbacher, you know, the physicist who said to Wilbert Smith that, that there were there was a crash sauce and there were bodies and is brought into the story as a major figure in the cover up. And it was like the M J twelve document. If you look at the M J twelve document and then go around and go back and look at what was being discussed within ufology about the Roswell incident in the mid nineteen eighties.
1: So it more or less supported what was believed then. We have Jerome Clark joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast
13: Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark Mark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
15: And the winner of fallback pricing is you. The results are in from freeze-dry guys, you be the boss, tell us what you want us to put on sale campaign. After getting phone calls, emails, blog and Facebook comments, nominating your favorite freeze-dried foods and dehydrated foods, you the people, you the bosses have spoken. We, the staff at Freeze-Dry Guy, have listened, as we've done since 1970. So now, one item and one entire line of food are on special sale until the end of October. The entire line of popular non-GMO and gluten-free foods are 20% off. The Family First Responders Kit, loaded with delicious freeze-dried foods like hearty beef stew, lasagna, and mouth-watering strawberries, is roughly 30% off. Go to freeze dry guy.com. That's freeze dry to order or call 866 404 404 food and make your own deal. Thank you, boss.
8: Utopia Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family. We simply cannot afford to get sick. The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. UtopiaSilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates, then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit UtopiaSilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A Silver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at paracast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: So the theory here, of course, is that when books like that were crafted, like The Day After Roswell, they looked at the UFO popular culture and used that to influence them rather than talk accurately about what was going on. So it also takes us back to the beginning here, which is what can we believe or disbelieve about the Roswell case since so much of this fact, fiction, dramatic license is being taken, so much of that has influenced the story?
6: Well, I think that really, as far as I can tell, the only reasonable response to all this stuff about Roswell, some of it seemingly credible, intriguing, not explained, and then a whole lot of dubious stuff, you know, competing with it, is just to be an agnostic. You know, um, just read the stuff, follow the controversy if you want to, if you're interested, and just say, well, this case isn't proved. That doesn't mean it won't be proved down the road somewhere. I mean, I'm certain myself that this will not be resolved until actual documents are produced, whose provenance is unquestioned. We know these were contemporary, you know, military or other government documents attesting to the incident that people describe from memory orally decades later. Until then, I I, I don't think that it's anything but a but a curiosity. It's just like a A historical mystery, and uh, it just, even after all these years, it just doesn't seem to have gone anywhere. You have a lot of uh, interesting, intriguing, puzzling testimony, and then a lot of proved hoaxes, and a lot of conclusion jumping, a lot of premature debunking, and it's just a mess. And uh, I think, barring some incredibly unexpected revelations, such as, as I say, documents with unquestioned providence, it's not going to change.
2: Yeah, it's it's a perfect distraction. It's a perfect red herring to keep everybody focused on something that is, yeah, as you're suggesting, as it could be virtually unsolvable, while other cases that should receive major attention are just uh, disappearing
1: into the dustbin of history. If Roswell actually happened, the wreckage would have had to have been taken somewhere. And yes, I understand about possibly funneling it into private industry, people having a need to know about different aspects of it, but wouldn't there be one genuine whistleblower after over 60 years? How could they keep it a secret that long? Something somewhere would have leaked.
6: Well, you could argue that there have been leaks. I mean, I think that the Roswell investigators have uncovered some People who were there, some retired military officers, most of them or nearly all of them dead by now, but obviously they were interviewed before they were dead. Who seemed completely sincere and whose stories seem, you know, confirmed by the testimony of others who were there and so on. I mean, there are, there is a body of genuinely puzzling testimony by people who seem to be honest from and, and whose testimony is backed up by this or that body of evidence. I mean, something happened. I don't think there's any question that something happened. It's just that what was the nature of that something? And some of the people who were there tell these extraordinary stories that just make such claims that you have to have more than just their testimony, however sincere. And one thing that struck me reading the books by Carey and and, uh, Schmidt in particular was You know, the description of the effects that this experience had on people, some of them were sort of traumatized to their graves, according to family members. And you read this stuff and you think, this is really interesting. But it just doesn't go anywhere beyond a bunch of strange stories.
1: But it comes back again to the same problem, which is if you had a physical spaceship that was picked up, from the New Mexico desert, it had to be taken somewhere. Where did it go? What was done with it? Who knew? And how did they keep the secret this long? As you say, maybe there has been some whistleblowing, and maybe it's been muddled by a little disinformation from here to there and back again. But I just think somewhere along the line, there's got to be something out there. How do they keep that kind of secret? The government can't do anything right. They can't get out of their own way.
2: Well, I I just well, have a problem with with no no memory metal coming forward. Somebody must have squirreled some of that evidence away, and why haven't we seen a single piece? And it, it, there was like, you know, a whole football fields worth of, of material. Why haven't we seen somebody come forward with slam dunk evidence that this uh, material had the had the qualities that that people have described?
6: I think the answer is. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I just think that, as I say, it's just a a bunch of strange stories, not all of them obvious hoaxes, but unless you've got, as you say, actual memory, metal, or documents of unquestioned provenance, it's just insane for ufologists to lead with Roswell as their major piece of evidence to, you know, persuade skeptical scientists and and other people of the seriousness of the UFO question. I mean, the seriousness of the UFO question really comes out of stories that are of radar visuals and physical traces and things like that. It doesn't come out of a bunch of people's strange stories about an unprovable experience.
1: But doesn't that also serve to obscure all those other sightings? And that would serve the purpose of it yeah. a Secret if you focus everybody's attention on Roswell. For better or worse, whatever happened there, they're not going to look into Stevenville, Texas. They're not going to look into a thousand one other compelling reports. You
2: know, my point exactly.
6: Well, you know, if if you mean something conspiratorial about that, I'm more than a little skeptical because, first of all, by the late 1970s, the UFO story, as far as scientists and respectable opinion, elite media, etc., are concerned. The UFO story had played out. It wasn't going anywhere. It was just a fringe thing, and if anything, Roswell gave it a new lease on life, and it interested Congress. I mean, it was, there actually were some, you know, low-level kind of quiet increase in Congress. President Clinton, when he was elected, wanted top aides to look into the Roswell story. The Roswell story actually had the opposite effect. It revived not only popular interest in UFOs, but also official interest. No, I think that the Roswell wasn't anybody's project to kill UFOs. If it was, it would have the opposite effect. Anybody who wanted UFOs killed would have just let the status quo continue.
2: I think it was a distraction. I think there's a possibility that on some level... Uh, official notice was was taken. They said, "Well, hey, we can use this to our advantage and keep people focused on this while you know real important uh, potential cases are, are you know just going by the wayside." Uh, taking Jean's point there, uh, so yeah, obviously it was a revival of interest, but at the same time, it was a perfect place to uh, get the public's attention focused on and also a perfect vehicle for disinformation and red herrings
1: speaking of red herrings we'll have some more discussion about that shortly but right now we're talking to jerome clark with gene and chris you're in the Paracast,
7: america's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade
1: We are the GCN Radio Network.
16: Hello, I'm Steve Shank. Everybody's heard the statement that what you don't know can't hurt you. But truth is, what you don't know is the only thing that can hurt you. For example, you might not know how our country's wars can hurt you. Japanese radiation and the Gulf oil spill are destroying your seafood. People don't understand how America's 50-year worst drought is hurting them. Our natural disaster experience has proven relief organizations can't take care of the victims. And there's the huge question of how the government will feed all the people that it's promised to feed with no food. What if we made the whole country into one big neighborhood where we take care of each other by taking care of ourselves? Here's the plan. For every new ePAC 60-day food supply that you order, E-foods Direct will send a seven-day food supply to each of two families in your name, free of charge. Go to eFoodsDirect.com or call 800-876-0871. 800-876-0871. eFoodsDirect.com.
10: A healthy
17: digestive system supports a healthy immune system. Healthy and a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at TerraGanics.com is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 one is dairy wheat and soy free is non gmo has all natural certified organic ingredients has no preservatives and is never freeze dried pro em 1 is the key to your digestive health order pro em 1 daily probiotic cleanse at terraganics.com spelled t e r a g a n i x.com terraganics.com or call toll free 866-369-3678 that's 866-369-3678 pro em 1 the raw probiotic
2: Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: Is the Roswell case a possible red herring, real or imagined or fake, whatever, to divert our attention from all that other great stuff going on? With Gene and Chris, we have Jerome Clark. Jerry, you want to mention any further comments before we move on?
6: Yeah, I just I just frankly don't believe that. I'd have to see some good evidence that there was some kind of conspiratorial operation behind the revival of interest in ross From my point of view, as someone who's written a lot about the history of the UFO controversy, the UFO controversy in America pretty much was dead after the mid-1970s. I think the last chance for a real a change of elite opinion, including scientists and the New York Times and so on, was pretty much played out by the mid-1970s. The last part of it was the 1973 wave, which attracted a lot of interest and respectful attention and talk about how, gee, you know, these things have been around and they've been inadequately explained, maybe we should look at this. But by the late 1970s, that had died out, too. And um, I think that the, the whole UFO controversy was pretty much dead and just in the hands of some of us who, you know, refused to be told what to think and by the 1970s, the late 1970s. I just don't think that Roswell served anybody's purposes. I think it was just something that Stan Friedman and, and um, Bill Moore kind of accidentally stumbled upon. I don't think anybody set them up. I've never seen any evidence that Jesse Marcel Sr. was some kind of
2: you know? No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm, and and I'm it, just...
6: begins, it begins with Stan Friedman's meeting Jesse Marcel, purely coincidentally, when Stan was in, I believe, Louisiana.
2: Yeah, Louisiana.
6: And uh, I think it was just circumstance, and then it built up. And ufologists aren't immune to this. They're human. I mean, you see a chance. Maybe this is going to blow the whole thing wide open. We get excited, or at least we used to get excited and we believe the thing could be blown wide open. I remember a lot of that excitement was focused on the abduction phenomenon in the the early early to mid-1980s, and that was a disappointment. And I think that Roswell just played out the way some of these things do. We just labor away and get nowhere, and then something comes up that seems to give us a chance to make some quantum leap, and the, the quantum leap doesn't happen.
1: Well, the quantum leap, of course, never occurs.
6: And it's probably not going to occur. I think that basically all the power in this relationship is in the phenomenon. The phenomenon makes the rules and decides how these things work. And the rest of us who aren't part of the phenomenon or just trying to understand the phenomenon are just beating our heads against it. And it's not helping us. By it, I mean the phenomenon. It just continues on its sort of elusive, puzzling
1: well you think then that the phenomenon is possibly directing our perceptions of it
6: i don't know that i do know first of all as i've said in my previous appearances on the show so i don't want to repeat myself unnecessarily but i think there are a couple things going on one is an event phenomenon and an experience phenomenon the event phenomenon in the ufo context is the hardcore phenomenon the radar visuals, the physical traces, the CE2s, things like that, which actually seem to represent somebody else's technology and probably an extraterrestrial technology. So a small part of what people report as UFOs may indeed be visiting spacecraft from another solar system. But the, most of what people experience in terms of anomalies in the paranormal is an experience phenomenon. You can experience it, you can e- vividly experienced it. You don't have to be crazy. It's it's a real experience, but that's all it is. There's no way in our level of current knowledge to get beyond somebody's story, somebody's memory, somebody's testimony of some extraordinary encounter. And so when we get beyond like the RB47 types of cases, we're dealing with something that is by its nature solely in memory and testimony. There's no independent physical or instrumented attestation to its reality. It's just something that happened to you and was very frightening or unsettling. But it doesn't go any further than that. And what makes it even more confounding is that it is filtered through your consciousness. So you're experiencing it in some kind of cultural otherworldly or supernatural experience is. Society's expectations about otherworldly experiences change over time and um, things that were may have been experienced for example as, as fairies and elves in the you know the 16th century are experienced in some kind of extraterrestrial appearing context in the 20th and 21st centuries, because our idea of an otherworldly experience is an encounter with beings on another planet.
1: But could you possibly take that further and say it is the same as what appears to have a separate physical reality, such as things that have simultaneous visual radar encounters, things that could be photographed? Where is the line of demarcation between these two? Only because there seems to be a physical effect that you could see or measure?
6: Yes, I mean, for example, the hardcore UFO cases are technolog- technologically based not only to appearance, but to the testimony of radar and other instruments. That there is something there that resonates like a technology or that acts like a technology. I mean, an advanced technology. But a high strangeness experience is just that. There is not, for example, in the abduction phenomenon the equivalent of an RB-47 case. Abduction stories are entirely strange stories. They they live in, in testimony, they live in memory. Sincere, non-crazy people tell about undergoing these experiences, but that's all they are. And in another cultural context, the precipitating agents wouldn't be ostensible aliens from outer space, but some other kind of, you know, extraordinary entities. That's why, for example,
2: it's subcultural front-loading.
6: Yeah, that's, for example, why, you know, in 1897, you know, people experienced these things that looked like somebody's airship. And the entities they encountered looked like ordinary American inventors. And um, there weren't real airships, there weren't real American inventors we know from history, but nonetheless, these seem to be real experiences to people. And I think that's equivalent to the the kind of high strangeness end of the the so-called UFO phenomenon, when in fact... There isn't a single phenomenon. There are at least two phenomena. And one is the event phenomenon. The other is the experience phenomenon. And I think that you can't... If you're trying to understand the core phenomenon by studying abduction stories, you aren't going to get anywhere. If you're trying to establish that there's somebody else's technology is in the Earth's atmosphere... And you're going to be studying radar visual cases, physical trace cases, CE2s, the sort of thing that leaves traces, something that actually science could work with if it wanted to. But the experience phenomenon is, by its nature, just elusive and unprovable. It's experienceable, but that's about all.
1: And you don't see a connection between the two at all.
6: I see that the, the experience. The event phenomenon is providing some of the imagery for the for the experience phenomenon, and that that energy, that imagery, is picked up in kind of anomalous dreams, you might call experience anomalies. They're sort of like in your sleeping life, you're dreaming. The images you get in your dreams are from your conscious memory, your conscious experience. But that doesn't mean that your dreams are literally true. That they're they're literal experiences. They're just, you know, fragments of memory and imagery that you pick up just from living in the world.
1: We're going to move to this world for a moment, then be back here. We have Jerome Clark joining Gene and Chris in The Paracast. You are now
9: in the crosshairs. The NSA and the FBI are treating you like a criminal and monitoring your every move. Ron Paul said recently, The evidence of the totalitarian nature of this government is on display undeniably every day. What's taking place right now is a coup and the destruction of the Constitution. Fortunately, there is something you can do about it. Learn how to be invisible, lock down your privacy, and even disappear forever. Go to PrivacyLockdown.com to learn how. That's PrivacyLockdown.com.
18: Are you someone who forges your own trail? Are you a pioneer with the need to homestead your self-reliant entrepreneur spirit? If so, RF Bunker has a franchise opportunity for you. RF Bunker is the fastest-growing emergency and survival retail store in the United States. RF Bunker franchise opportunities are leading the way for business-minded heroes seeking adventure in owning and operating their own emergency supply and survival store. Visit RFBunker.com or call 866-623-2932. This offer is not being directed to any resident of the register-required states.
12: Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution.
10: You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239.
7: Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of longevity mineral makeup, you will never use anything else. With Yongevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's marilu com, Or call 855-321-HEALTH.
6: Hi, this is Ted Phillips, listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me.
1: What we're doing here, folks, is not just repeat case histories over and over again, but trying to assess what's really going on and seeing what types of UFO phenomena we're confronting and whether we can come up with some answers or maybe there are no answers. And that's well, what makes it even more complicated. Jerome Clark joining us with Gene and Chris. What I'm hearing,
2: Jerry, is is you're coming down almost, uh, you know, where Jacques Vallée kind of ended up in his public uh, involvement with ufology in that, you know, he, he uh, sort of ascribed a cultural thermostat to the phenomenon that it would supply – it would supply uh, – Experiences uh, when the culture needed to be heated up, and then when the culture was is heated up, then then it, it tends to pull back almost like a thermostat on a heating and cooling system. And he related that to culture. So uh, you, it sounds like you're almost falling falling along those lines that you're looking at something no. that that is. Uh, I, I, it, go ahead.
6: No, I I don't believe that at all. I mean, I respect Jacques fillet and, and I are friendly, and he's a great thinker, and I and he's. You know, it's contributed to a lot of things, to our understanding. But I think that hypothesis goes, to put it mildly, beyond the evidence. That's just wildly speculative. And I don't think we have any clue why these things happen. I mean, we don't even really have a vocabulary. When I talk about experience anomalies, I just struggle for some vocabulary. You know, we think without even thinking about that something is true or it's not true. Well, what if there's a third category where those delineations don't apply, that that something is, is true and false at the same time, that it exists in some liminal zone? And I think that extraordinary encounters fall into that zone, and we don't have a vocabulary. We have a really hard time imagining...
2: Well, there is a term. It's called the trickster
6: is not necessarily an event.
2: The trickster is probably our most concrete liminal force that we've been able to language and and, and put a, a tag on. So it, it almost sounds like uh, there's some sort of tricksterish agenda going on.
6: Well, I agree with the tricksterish. I don't know what how you establish there's an agenda going on. There are just these experiences which may or may not mean something, may reflect some larger order, Or they just could be just meaningless junk. We don't know. But I don't ascribe intentionality to it because I don't know what that intentionality would be. I don't even know that it's necessary. It's just we can see its effects on individual people and maybe... In some ways, these these feed into religious beliefs, and if a religion is established, obviously that affects culture and history and civilization and people's way of living in the world, but there's no way of knowing whether the phenomenon was just something that we made of it on our own.
2: Well, why do so many abductees report conversations and interactions that, that talk about how you know, we're putting our, our ecosystem in peril with with uh, radiation, and and look at Fukushima. I mean, as as an embodiment of that of that particular admonishment, and there's this constant uh, thread that seems to go through these experiential versions of, of, of the phenomena in terms of interactions of of putting the environment in peril. I, I would say that that suggests to me that there's some sort of agenda there.
6: Or it could just simply reflect societal concerns that we all hear about. And, you know, any rational person is concerned about the state of the environment and of the Earth's ecosystem. And, you know, you could have dreams about those things. You can have dreams about anything. And also, the fact is that there are just a whole lot of books written about the abduction phenomenon. There are television shows and so on. And this is sort of a loop that feeds into people's dreams and experiences.
1: So they hear about abductions, they read a book by Whitley Strieber, by David Jacobs, by Bud Hopkins, and they dream about such things?
6: Yeah, they don't even necessarily have to read those books because it's just in the air. You you can go into a bar, sit down, start talking to the idiot next to you uh, you about UFOs, and he will know about abductions. I mean, I think that, 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 as I say, these things are not unreal, they're just stuff that is built, really anomalous stuff, that is experienced out of certain themes in the culture. And 500 years ago, cultural themes were different, and people had different kinds of kinds of entities that, that didn't involve, for example, extraterrestrials coming here and technologically constructed vehicles but they had some kind of understanding of what the other world was like, and they often framed it in terms of the fairy realm. And people really experienced it. It didn't mean that fairies really existed, but it did mean that people had real experiences of them, and experiences that are really difficult to explain in terms of current knowledge.
1: But then, and I'm still trying to understand this, you can't assume then that maybe some of these experiences do present physical effects? And that takes us back to the event driven phenomenon of UFOs
6: well the the the, the h- hardcore cases seem to me to be extraordinarily suggestive and i and and from some point of view even proof depending on how you define proof and I often wonder whether historians and scientists looking back at the mid-20th century in our, in our time in the early 21st century and, and think, why couldn't scientists at that time have figured out from these some of these extraordinarily evidential UFO cases that extraterrestrial visitation was occurring? What was the blind spot? In in, in my opinion, as someone who is a historian of this controversy, I think you could make a case that... that <laughs> By the late 1940s, certainly no later than the Nash-Fortenberry sighting and the Washington National sightings in 1952, that any reasonable person, including a scientist, looking at this would not have said, yes, somebody else is in our atmosphere and their vehicles can be traced on radar you know, and they can be seen by multiple witnesses and so on and so on. They leave traces when they land on the ground. They sometimes burn witnesses. You know, this is somebody's technology. And we can establish the existence of these visitors just from studying the measurable effects that their their craft produce on witnesses and on the environment. You could have made a case as the early 1950s, that, yes, this was going on and we have good evidence of it. It's just that nobody with the resources or the power to make something of this would go near it, as far as we know. I mean, there could have been real secret projects, but we don't know that anybody really took that hard evidence other than the scattered serious UFO investigator, the scattered Powerless scientists working on in his spare time, and um, to the disapproval of his colleagues. I mean, the fact that we don't understand the core UFO phenomenon in 2013, perhaps says <laughs> yeah, that speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was a solvable problem. I think it still is. It just needs the expertise and the resources of laboratories. And, um, you know, I think that's solved. The, the experience end of it, the high strangest end of it, probably requires a considerable rethinking of almost everything we assume about how the world works. But as I say, we don't really even have a vocabulary for these extraordinary stories and experiences.
2: Languaging is really important.
1: Okay, another question which we can maybe take up in our next segment, Jerry. Yeah, unless you want to respond to this, but we have only about 40 seconds left before we split, so I wanted to just raise this and you can discuss this and other possibilities in our next segment, which is, okay, maybe the government has all these years been truthful. They don't accept UFOs as real. They're not interested in looking at any further evidence, and that's it. Or we look at the other possibility, which people who want disclosure will continue to assert, which is that the government does have some inkling that something weird is going on. They may or may not know what is causing those weird things to go on, and thus they keep it from us, in which case, how do we find out? And then we go back to the question of Roswell again. What about the leaks from the whistleblowers? Is that a way of getting information and why Wouldn't there be whistleblowers if there was something to blow the whistle about, right? We have Jerome Clark joining Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast.
7: The GCN Radio Network. Providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
18: These days, so many suffer from heartburn, stomach ulcers, and acid reflux, and most never realize it is the high acidity within the body that causes their discomfort. While selective diet choices can help, Alcavision Plasma pH Drops can really make a change. A few drops added to water can optimize your body's pH level, ridding you of harmful waste and acid, promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Healthy pH levels make all the difference. High acidity can also cause depression, insomnia, and irritability. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops bring you vital balance that can be truly life-changing. Alkalizing boosts immune response, reduces headaches and cramping, and even helps prevent bone loss. This is simple science that helps your body do what's natural. Order your AlkaVision pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast The gold standard of paranormal radio And now,
1: here's Gene Steinberg With Gene and Chris on the Paracast We're spending a few more seconds with Jerome Clark Longtime UFO historian author of a number of really fascinating books that you won't find on the bestseller list, but that's very unfortunate. So I know Chris was mentioning the issue of languaging, and I was talking about disclosure, whether the government has guilty knowledge of what's going on. You have some assessments for any of that?
6: Well, when we talk about the government, quote-unquote, in terms of secret UFO knowledge, remember, the government is a huge entity, and I would say that if there's significant UFO knowledge, it's squirreled away in some small, possibly off-the-books agency. And it certainly doesn't seem to affect national defense policy. And So if there is some little group that's monitoring this and has some interesting information deep in its highly classified files, I think that it's clear that this agency has told whomever it reports to, maybe the president or the secretary of defense, that whatever this is, it is not a threat to national security. And we can safely act as if it isn't here. And we all know there are other variations of the cover-up idea, and some of them quite dramatic and unbelievable. But I think that if, if there is somewhere official knowledge it isn't profound it's just enough to say that yes this is strange and our pilots for example experienced this but we don't think the earth is going to be invaded
2: robert hastings work and bob salas and and the malmstrom and off uh, missile fields uh, incursions do you think that that uh, maybe put a ripple through some segment of the defense uh structure of our of our government. Do you think they took that seriously? And and if not, why?
6: Well, one would think so. But apparently not seriously enough to affect, you know, national defense policy to move it toward a, you know, posture we have to prepare ourselves for, you know, invading aliens. We know that's not happening. And so yeah, they probably somewhere this was noticed and commented on and heads were scratched and concerns were expressed, but it doesn't seem visibly to have gone anywhere beyond that.
2: So maybe UFOs are just a way for male Americans in positions of power to lose their hair quicker from all the head scratching.
6: (laughs) Yeah, and I suspect that over time, a lot less hair has been lost. I think the whole thing has just been shrugged off. You know you can find people within government, just so you can find people anywhere who are puzzled by u f o sightings and interested in them and think they mean something interesting but maybe this it's a plot that affected actual policy
2: maybe it's a plot by Bosley Hair for men
1: <laughs> not working very well, is it? Oh well, but you kind of wonder here this is happening for so long you kind of think that after all these years, why wouldn't there be enough to interest people in the government to take it seriously? I think you could
6: argue the reverse, that the longer it goes on without affecting anything that we can see, except, you know, maybe showing up on radar from time to time or startling somebody as it hovers over a country road, that that doesn't ever go beyond that. So the longer it's ignored, validation there is for the policy of ignoring it.
1: Another reason to ignore it for the future, because we have more important concerns, which is people who just won't grow up and get along. Chris, we have a few questions from our audience. You want to start asking some of those?
2: Yeah, I would like to do that. And we've answered a few of the questions that have been posted at forum.theparacast.com already, with our very uh, enlivened conversation here. But we have a A fairly new addition to our forum family, Gary Griffey, who asks uh, a a good question. Uh, My question for Mr. Clark refers to ancient or historical UFO reports. Is there a good source for information on that subject for people that want to explore it and do some digging on their own? Besides your your magnum opus, uh, the UFO encyclopedia, of course.
6: Well... One thing that's happened, this is this is really the major development in ufology and Flordian studies of the last decade. And that is that more and more newspaper archives are being opened up and so they're accessible online. And you can some of this you can get for free, some of it you have to subscribe to to a service that'll cost you anywhere from maybe fifty, sixty bucks to more than a hundred bucks a year. And you get access to Hundreds, even thousands, of old newspapers, and you don't have to go through every page trying to find a a weird story. You just have to do a search, type in the word you're looking for, like something like "ball of light" or whatever, and you will be get access to dozens, to decades, and maybe even a couple of centuries of ball of light stories in old newspapers. And I actually wrote it in early on when this was still new. I wrote a book for AB, the reference uh, publisher ABC Clio, a book called Unnatural Phenomena, which was basically consisted of a whole bunch of clippings of Fortean and Fordian like phenomena reported in newspapers in the 19th century and early 20th centuries. And, and the number of newspapers available online has just grown exponentially. Every day, more and more of them come online. And if you know where to look or subscribe to the right services, you can look to your heart's content for any kind of weirdness you're looking for. If it's from 1947 to the present, you will want to look for flying saucers or UFOs. Before that, of course, they weren't using words like that. But you can figure out the words that they were using to describe what we now would call UFOs and just search for them, and you'll be surprised at what comes up and what's Li- what is what it what the reports how they're like what we see now and how they're unlike what we see now. And so you get a real kind of comparison and contrast of the historical UFO like phenomena and present day UFO phenomena. It's utterly fascinating. Yeah. But that's how you get to old newspapers, old stories of UFOs that right,
2: we have that whole question of languaging and terminology. You have to be able to interpret and and read through the languaging of the times to find out if it's something viable. But, you know, a book that, that has impressed me that's come out uh, within the last four or five years is Wonders in the Sky by Chris Aubeck and Jacques Vallée. Uh, uh, some of the older Reports, obviously, are a little tenuous and, and, and purely anecdotal, but, but that's also a good place to start. There, there are some very, very good, uh, well-documented descriptions of, uh, of events in that.
6: Well, uh, Chris Aubeck runs an invitation-only email list of people involved in this kind of research, in online research into newspaper, journal, magazine, and other archives to find pre-1947 reports of UFO or UFO-like phenomena. There's another invitation list that, that Bob Rickard of Fortean Times runs that focuses on the non-UFO but Fortean stuff. And Chris and Jacques Vallée's book, which I recommend, as you say, it's a good book, but that book came out of the Magoni Exchange Project. And um, so there's there's actually focused investigation, focused gleaning of these old archives from UFOs and Freudian scholars today, and there's it, just a, a lot of incredibly interesting stuff coming up,
2: coming yeah. out of all of this. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think there's there's and that's a really good question, Gary. Uh, and if you're willing to put the time in. Because we're talking about a very labor-intensive project here. Uh, this well, is not something... Well, no.
6: fortunately, not like it used to be, you know. Not with like it used days, to be. It's easier. <laughs> you'd have to drive some distance to find an archive. you have to mess with microfilm or microfiche. And you'd have to look like, like Fork did, Just look one page after another looking for a sea serpent or a light in the sky or an airship or whatever. But you don't have to do that now. Yes, it still takes time. But it's a lot quicker, a lot easier. You don't even have to leave
1: your house. That's yeah, one way of keeping people from getting out more. We have Jerome Clark joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages. faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their prime hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out.
19: Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, gold and silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. 3-7-Extension-130.
12: We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call? And how much will it cost? Our friends at LegalShield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283.
20: Not all protein powders are created equal. One World Way is the first cold temperature processed 100% all natural, unrefined, bioactive grass-pasture raised milkway protein. Far from being another ordinary protein supplement, One World Way is a full spectrum nutrition power food in and of itself, providing overall life-building benefits that touch virtually every human's life that other protein supplements don't deliver on. What are the benefits? Boosts the immune system, anti-aging properties, helps detoxification, helps lose body fat, supports excellent blood sugar levels, excellent for building muscle, increases in energy levels, enhances the feelings of youth, energy for exercise and recovery. Who's it for? Anyone wanting to feel healthy and have energy. Busy people, office workers, growing children, students, teachers, seniors, people recovering from illness, and high-performance athletes. Call 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworldw W-H-E-Y, dot com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast
1: community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Sometimes, of course, online research can be counterproductive because you may give equal weight to everything which can cause problems. We have Jerome Clark joining us with Gene and Chris, and we're asking your questions from forum.theparacast.com. Anything further to say, Jerry, before we go on to the next question?
6: Well, you have to treat this stuff as folklore because you can't prove it or you can't disprove it. Some stories are obviously just made up. Some of them are easy to recognize. Some are at the, a ring of authenticity, even though you can't prove it. This seems like a real story. And you can also do research to find out if this person actually existed. You, you know, you can find that this person did indeed exist. He wasn't just made up by some prankster. And then there's a big mid-range of stuff that you can neither prove nor disprove. It's possible or maybe not. You don't know. It's just interesting. But basically, you ended up treating it just as this great body of folklore that, that in its totality gives you some general idea of what people believed and or experienced in you know, a previous century. But all of that is valuable.
2: Here's another one from Burnt State, who's uh, you know, a frequent participant at forum.theparacast.com, our online forum page, where you can ask questions of our guests. And this question is, what are your personal speculations, Gary, regarding the intentions of the UFO phenomenon, and what do you feel are its significant effects on humanity to date? We've kind of been discussing this, but, but do you think there is an agenda behind it, or is it something different?
6: Well, let's talk about the core phenomenon. And let's just say, for the purpose of discussion, that these are extraterrestrial visitors coming from somewhere else in the galaxy. I think simply the very fact that they built machines and they came here tells us that they have a lot of things in common with us. They have curiosity, they have the capacity to d- devise the technology that takes them off the Earth. And already this puts them kind of in the neighborhood of what we're like. If they have the curiosity, to have developed the science and technology that created spacecraft that could vast distances and find themselves to our little third rock from the sun, they're probably more like us than we would think. And so I would I my presumption, of course I can't prove it, this is all speculation, is that they're here out of scientific curiosity. Just as you know, I think it is reasonable to compare them to us in that sense, that you don't have a technology without curiosity don't have a science without curiosity and a desire to understand and learn and that's the kind of thing that would bring them here i mean they would be different from us in all kinds of other ways i'm sure but i think that at the core you know we have a lot in common with them
1: okay well the question would be then do the aliens have a prime directive not to interfere with the locals especially if they're primitive locals Or is there a point at which they say, well, let's say hello? Or maybe they have and nobody believes the people who say they've met them.
6: Well, I think that as far as we can tell, there is indeed something like a prime directive. I mean, you know, however you want to term it, but it's sort of a non-interference understanding. They haven't tried to take us over. They haven't even announced themselves in a way that would be undeniable to all the scientists and governments of the Earth. So they're here watching us. You know, maybe they, you know, they figured out that that it will not be very long if we don't destroy ourselves first, that we'll be going out into space. I mean, all these kinds of things that, you know, kind of like Donald Kehoe's sorts of speculation, kind of come back. You know, when you begin to think about, you know, we're discovering all these other planets, these Earth-like planets, there's no question that there are a lot of Earth-like planets out there in just staggering numbers. It is not hard to believe that many of them have evolved to the point where they have technological civilizations. It's not hard to believe that those civilizations would come our way. They wouldn't even have to come here to know that there was life on Earth. I mean, they could detect that from their technology from where they are, so they don't have to fly around directionlessly to the galaxy trying to find something. They would say, this planet gives every indication of having life on it. We see evidence of radio signals and other evidence that technology has developed, so we're going to go there. The extraterrestrial process is either true or it's not, but it's not illogical or impossible. It is a reasonable conclusion one can draw from what we know now.
1: But also you wonder here if there is a prime directive not to interfere. Sometimes just being seen interferes.
6: Not as far as we can tell so far. <laughs> They've been seen, they're seen every day. It hasn't affected anything other than popular culture.
1: It changes a person's direction in life. It's happened to a number of people.
6: Hey, it
2: happened to, just... to Captain Kirk in the last Star Trek movie. Boy, they got, they got busted with their pants down, had to jump off a cliff.
6: Most people see UFO and they're really interested in intrigue, It doesn't change their lives. It's just a curious thing that happened to them, and it's not something they can place in any other context. The, the people who are permanently affected by that experience are really a very small percentage of UFO sighters.
1: So in the scheme of things... E.T. can be fully aware of this and just figure, well, the people who do see us, very few of their fellow travelers, their fellow citizens will believe them anyway, so who cares?
6: I think the calculation, again, this is all pure rank speculation.
1: Okay, well, the we're cal- doing rank speculation, ladies and gentlemen. We, we do that really well here. We are rank speculators. We haven't said the which cal- rank, though.
6: The calculation may be that unless you know we land on the White House lawn or crash on the White House lawn... You know, we can do what we're we're doing for maybe decades more, and it's not going to affect the civilization we're observing. I believe myself, my own intuition, is that sometime in the 21st century, with another generation of scientists, UFO sightings will finally engage the interest of scientists, particularly astronomers and others involved in exobiology, who, having failed to detect alien civilizations by radio telescope, will turn around and say, well, what about all these curious and interesting specu- sightings made by people all over the Earth for, for quite a while now? And something of that is happening. If you read um, Edward Ashpole's new book, whose uh, title escapes me at the moment, but he's a, he's a British science journalist, and he writes that... Oh, here we go. I found, found the book. It's called Signatures of Life, Science Searches the Universe. It's an eminently respectable British science journalist who says that it's time now for scientists interested in the question of extraterrestrial life to start looking at UFO reports. And um, he shows that the UFO phenomenon, the sort of thing that exobiologically inclined astronomers have been talking about. And, And it turns out that if you dig deeply into the SETI literature you will find that some astr- astronomers, eminently respectable astronomers, have said something of the same thing. That there may be evidence of extraterrestrial visitors in our solar system and maybe even in our atmosphere. And that this is a question that scientists should take up. And if if this is already starting to appear in
2: yeah, maybe there's hope. The, the
6: scientific literature, it's just a matter of time before you know, this becomes a larger theme and people are, scientists are actively engaged.
1: I'll tell you what, maybe there's hope if we continue this discussion with Gene and Chris. We're joined by Jerome Clark. You're in The Paracast, America's
7: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade.
1: We are the GCN Radio Network.
21: A healthy
17: digestive system supports a healthy immune system. Healthy
21: and a healthy immune system protects
17: you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at TerraGanics.com is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 one is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all-natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 daily probiotic cleanse at Terraganics.com spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic.
13: Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So maybe before we're gone, scientists will begin to embrace this more. Or maybe you and I, Jerry especially, not Chris because he's a young whippersnapper, maybe... We will survive to see this serious attitude towards UFOs.
6: I'm afraid, Gene, that you and I will not be around to see it. I can't speak for Chris, but it will it will take time. I, when I said that I thought this would happen, I was really thinking about the latter part of this century.
19: And if but we live that
6: long, we're not. Gonna yeah, there be, is probably, hope, though. <laughs> yeah i I think this will happen in time. I mean you know science always gets around to dealing with questions. It isn't always there, perhaps as promptly as it should be. but science ultimately works, and it does take up questions even even very difficult ones, and against much resistance by the conservative part of you know this the science community but yeah UFO sightings continue, and SETI astronomers don't find other evidence of extraterrestrial in life, just by a process of elimination, they're going to have to look at the UFO
2: sightings. I still have a hard time believing that they think that uh, aliens are broadcasting uh, radio waves uh, as some sort of indication of their presence. Uh, exactly. And that, <laughs> that, to me, has always been, a, a, again, another Bosley hair club for men, hair scratch, uh, head scratch,
1: <laughs>
2: What is just, this obsession, Chris? Sense.
1: Chris, this obsession with... Bosley. Maybe we should get them as sponsors. There you go. Well, you go ahead. You volunteered. a great idea. G- you volunteered.
2: There, there's more head-scratchers listening to this show than listen to, uh, well, maybe not Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> I mean, you just take one look at Rush, and you can tell there's been a lot of head-scratching going on. I think... Well, before we, we digress into bad jokes, and I, I get letters and, and emails saying, you know, you got to get a better sense of humor. Let me let me continue on to another question. Uh, this one, again, uh, Jerry, is from uh, Burnt State, and it's a good one. In your research, have you found any anomalous events that have some predictability attached to them in terms of location, frequency, duration, or time of their occurrence? Or would you describe most anomalous events, and I'm, I, I take it he's talking about UFO events, as rather unpredictable in all ways?
6: Well, that is a good question. And uh, I'm not sure that I have an answer off the top of my head. I mean, we know, of course, that there are UFO waves. And we know that anomalous phenomena can appear in some small place over a period of time. Whether that amounts to predictability, I don't know. I mean, you know, there have always been attempts and commendable ones to find patterns to UFO activity. And the no one has ever been able to establish anything conclusively about, about how these things manifest. It just, you know, it looks like just something incredibly random. But we don't know. I mean, that that is an excellent question, and there's so much that falls out from that question. But unfortunately, I think it's just, at this stage, unanswerable.
2: Right, and and, and generally, if you find a pattern, what I found, I've, I found a couple of patterns, actually, uh, of what I thought was some sort of predictability uh, factor or element. And as soon as I found it, you know, I the, the data. You know, the the phenomena supported the data to support my conclusion. But as soon as I opened my mouth and said something about it, it went 180 degrees and did the exact opposite. So, now, that'll I'm not sure you. if there's a lesson there. But. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I, I you know, I, I I'm fascinated with the whole uh, idea of that liminal. Force within our collective uh, called the, the trickster archetype. I, I find it just eminently, you know, infinitely fascinating, and and that that I think is a perfect illustration of that. There really is no predictability, except for the fact that it's unpredictable. That's that you can predict that it's unpredictable. Uh, so
6: I've told you guys before about my experience of encountering three times in the course of one summer, thirteen years ago, apparitional quadruped, kind of like a, you know, a ghostly dog or something.
2: Right, right.
6: And what struck me about that, not only that it was so completely unexpected that I, I, it couldn't even process it. I mean, it took me weeks to process what I had seen, and it didn't really make it. It didn't really dawn on me until my wife was with me and saw it the last time we were together. And, um, but what struck me among, among the many reflections I made about that experience was how incredibly meaningless and motiveless it was. There was no larger lesson. It it just happened. And that was all that it was. It was just an experience with no larger consequences, no larger moral, no meaning. It just happened. And that's, I think, one thing that I've carried away from that experience. was just how random and meaningless it appeared to be. So when people speculate, you know, about larger intentionality and so on, I have a hard time squaring that with my own experience. I think these things just happen in their own way, and they're just sort of random. Now, if there is, I think there are patterns in in data concerning, you know, hardcore UFO sightings. We know they seem to operate in some ways and not in others, but. The the high strangeness stuff is just it could happen to anybody at any time. Yeah. And it may even sometimes happen to us and because we're not expecting it, our mindset is against it. We don't think these things can happen. That if they do happen, we can rationalize them away and forget them.
1: Ah, do you saying then, Jerry, that a lot of us are having experiences that we just kind of compartmentalize and we put in the back burner and we don't pay attention to those things?
6: You know, I, I, I've had I've had experiences that only in retrospect seem really strange. All and and but they were trivial. They weren't like all of a sudden there's some humanoid standing in front of you or something like that. They weren't. They were just quotidian experiences, just day to day things. You know, like you drop something on the floor and you hear it hit the floor and you can't find it. Well, you know, what if that isn't just a random thing but some kind of you know, um, low-level kind of poltergeist thing. I had an experience one time where I'm sitting here in my office and i got about a gazillion books and about as many CDs. CDs arranged in alphabetical order, otherwise I could never find them. But one time I decided I wanted to hear this um, record by this British folk group. So I went to get the record. It wasn't there, and neither were the other albums by the same group. And I was really I was just annoyed because I thought, you know, these are not American records. It took some trouble to get them. They were records from the U.K. And uh, so I thought, well, they must have fallen off the shelf. And I spent the next two hours <laughs> trying to find them. And finally, at the end of this, I thought, you know, I'm not going to worry about this. They'll show up again. And about two days later, I was digging through, um, through a drawer. Where I have certain inconsequential stuff, but every once in a while I use for it. So I was needed something in that drawer. And I went to that drawer, opened up the drawer, and there was a plastic bag with something in it in that drawer. And I thought, what? 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 I don't remember putting a plastic bag with something in it in this drawer. This isn't where I would have done put something like that. So I took the plastic bag and I felt it, and I knew instantly there were CDs in it. And I opened it up, and it was the missing CDs. Now, the only possible, there are two possibilities here. Somebody broke into the house for no other reason than to snatch some of my CDs and put them in a plastic bag and put them in a drawer. Or my wife, for no known reason. I reject either of those.
1: Your wife is not the kind of person who would play tricks on you like this. My wife is
6: not a practical joker. And, uh, you know, there's just no reasonable explanation for this. It, it's not a huge dramatic event. It's just something that doesn't have an explanation.
1: Maybe you absent-mindedly put it there, but then that would opens up a whole can of worms. We have Jerome Clark, who never opens up cans of worms, maybe a can of sardines. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. <laughs>
9: What if you had a witness
7: everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy video dash cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's
9: VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with VideoDashCam. Beep. This is an emergency essentials sale this month only at emergency essentials get 41% off freeze dried chicken with a 25 year shelf life for only $24.99 while supplies last during our October sale 55 gallon water barrels are only $72.99 our 12 can baking combo valued at over $160 is now only $109.99 that's 32% off call emergency essentials at 800-999-1863 today or visit beprepared.com the choice is clear
11: be unprepared
9: or beprepared.com
11: If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all.
0: Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and gentle touch chiropractic adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you
3: instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between NUCA and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwortman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124 or on the web at drortman.com.
14: This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to The Paracast.
1: Or maybe The Paracast is here to open up cans of worms to see what really crawls out of them. We have Jerome Clark joining us for one more segment with Gene and Chris. Chris, any more questions left in the till?
2: Yeah, here's another good one from Burnt State. He notes that you have often said the idea of a ship from an alien planet crashing on Earth is something that you could never hide from history. And he says, I take this to mean you believe that E.T. has never crashed here. Well, aside from the infallibility of the phenomenon, what other aspects of this phenomenon do you feel are aspects that could never be hidden from history?
6: Well, my argument has been, and it was recently challenged in this Edward Ashpole book, by the way, that I just mentioned, was that if there was a, a spacecraft that crashed, the discoveries from that reverse engineering went out into the government and into private industry and so on, that there would, you know, there would be suddenly technological developments that otherwise you know, weren't traceable that just seemed extraordinary as if they came out of nowhere. And there haven't been any of those. But in Asheville's book, uh, Signatures of Life, he's not directly addressing me, but he does say somewhere in the book that if something like Roswell happened, and, and he's not saying it did, but he's just speculating, he said that reverse engineering would be impossible because it would be some level of technology simply beyond our present state of knowledge and understanding that there wouldn't be anything you could do with it. So maybe I was wrong, That maybe there could have been a, a Roswell incident, and it just couldn't be reverse-engineered, and that's why we don't see any evidence of it in subsequent history, subsequent you know, policy, technology, you know, uh, whatever. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that isn't a good argument.
1: So it's therefore secreted away somewhere, and we don't know what to do with it, or maybe it's just catching dust at Warehouse 13 or something.
6: You know, that's possible. You know, my argument that that we would have learned something from it and we would see evidence of that knowledge may be an invalid argument to argue against the reality of Roswell if if you want to go there. But that may not be a good argument. So I may have been wrong, as incredible as that may seem.
1: It happens to all the best of us, Jerry. <laughs> but okay, no, I can see where the point of view is, that we have it sitting there and we haven't figured out what's going on with that. But what about the alien bodies, if there were alien bodies? Wouldn't we know something about alien physiology, at least?
6: Well, I presumably, yes. But you and I don't know anything about alien physiology. It hasn't filtered down to us, so...
1: Well, they're Again, just not just telling us, and it certainly them. wouldn't be found in an attic in Sedona, Arizona, right?
6: <laughs> well, unless they were really kind of, you know, <laughs> double thinking us or something. But oh, if we put it in an attic in Sedona, some wiseacre will say, "Oh, it's an attic in Sedona," but well, we don't have to pay attention to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, present company <laughs> excluded, right? <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're now insulting anybody who has an attic in Sedona and might have some interesting things there, Chris. Well, I lived in
2: Sedona for five years and I can assure you that there are probably things secreted away there that, uh, that just, uh, I hope they don't, uh, ever see the light of day. <laughs>
1: Any more questions, Chris, before we leave? W-
2: w- well, uh, that's it for the question bank. We, um, we got our, our thread up a little bit late, but, um, Thank you everybody for putting in your questions and don't forget um for future shows forum.theparacast.com is where you put your questions in for us to ask our, our guests and and Jerry I want to say uh, it's it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. I know you don't do many shows and um just to have you on and get your insight and your many years of experience um is is a real treat for me personally. And I want to just let everybody know that your work the a uh, multi-volume UFO encyclopedia is a must-have for any serious uh, researcher, investigator, or you know someone that's interested in this subject matter. I mean, the, the amount of work that went into that book pre-internet is just is staggering. And I'm, you know, my hat's off to you. You're you're one of our real jewel, jewels in this uh, in this ufological world and realm. And and uh, you know, I I just support your efforts uh, all the way up and down the
1: line.
6: Well, thank you very much. And I always enjoy doing the show because you guys are smart and you ask good questions and you keep me on my toes. I that's what we're
1: here for to kind of upset the apple cart and keep things going. But where do you go from here? You've got some new books under construction? What?
6: Possibly. I just may have kind of, the well may be dry. I haven't come up with a new book idea in a couple of years and. I'm just partying around pursuing other interests, but I'll probably find my way back to another book one of these days.
1: If you were, just hypothetically, going to do another book, what interests you now? What really sparks your interest when we get into these kinds of subject matter?
6: Well, two things. The one is exploring the idea of experience anomalies in greater depth, and the other one is historical Foriana, which has been opened up to us because we have access to all these old newspaper archives and, and other sources now online. I, those things are what interest me the most.
1: Do we see stuff like that happening now?
6: You know, it all started. You know, with for I'm sure Eugene and and, and probably you, Chris, reading Fort.
2: Yeah, and it's of course. And it feels like yeah. we're just this Classics. great
6: circle is is closing now, that toward in our twilight, Gene. I'm not talking to Chris here. You know, the old-fashioned forty phenomena are, are just as interesting to me now as they were then, except that I have a much more informed and adult perspective on them.
1: Are we still seeing reports of frogs falling from the sky, for oh, example?
6: Absolutely. Yeah. So those things are constantly. Constant, you know. <laughs> lake <laughs> monsters all those things you know lights in the sky those are yeah. kind of eternal
2: i love I, I love all that stuff and i i you know i love going to the anomalist every day and tuning in on patrick Weege's oh, yeah. uh l- latest list of uh head scratchers and and it, it gene it's always going on i don't think it'll ever stop it actually picks up in intensity uh i think uh uh, certain time periods, uh, there's a flurry of, of just inexplicable events that that are reported. I think now with the internet, we're going to hear more about these uh, types of inexplicable events uh, in a, in a more timely fashion. And and Jerry, uh, just for your own information, I've, I'm finishing up a a, uh, a an examination of uh, humans' relationship with livestock, cattle specifically, and. It's a case history of the unexplained livestock death phenomenon, which I know you've been a little bit uh, going to take a lot for you to think that there's really something to that whole... Oh,
6: no. I I I, I believe, if you're talking about cattle catamulations... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I believe that there are... Some of those are genuinely anomalous. I mean, I think that, you know, like a lot of things, you know, get, get exaggerated in some ways and... To you know, and, and a lot of there was a lot of bogus stuff, but yes, oh, yeah, I think there are
2: anomalous cases. Well, it's like UFOs. I mean, ninety percent of UFO sightings, and that's being generous. I think are are very easily explained. The same holds true for the livestock death phenomenon. Uh, unexplained livestock death—I should say—I'd be interested to uh, to get your feedback, and I'd love to send you a copy of the book for um, for your opinion on it once it's. Oh, uh,
6: please do, please. Yeah, do. I, I'm
2: I'm just now literally finishing it up uh, this week, and it's going to the editor, and I, I'd really love to get your feedback on it. You are mentioned in there, you and John Keel, uh, <laughs> and your your admonishment of Keel for his. Uh, his uh, over-the-top statements about historical cases. I, I found it very fascinating. Also, your investigation into the Alexander Hamilton uh, claim in, from 1897. I do, I do visit that as
1: well, and I can't wait to get your feedback on it. Is that it? What a pleasant session. The time has gone by so fast. Jerry Clark, can you tell us whether you have an online presence if we want to get a hold of you?
6: Well, not really. <laughs> I, I I try to keep my head low, and I don't have a website or any of that stuff. I just uh, I, I'm not interested enough in tooting my own horn that that I just have an aversion to that sort of thing. I'm reachable by email.
1: Yes, if you need to find him, write to us, and I'll forward your messages. Chris O'Brien, of course, has his own site called OurStrangePlanet.com. Because it's a strange planet. Ourstrangeplanet.com. And he's got that book coming out shortly, called "Stalking the Herd." You can find us on Twitter, where we're known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl on Twitter. There are also two Powercast fan clubs on Facebook under my account, and someday we'll figure out how to make them one. But of course, Facebook never makes that easy, do they? Jerry Clark, thanks for joining us this week on the Powercast.
6: Thanks for having me. Been fun.